Welcome to 3In, 3Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast. On 3In, 3Out, we like to dive deep into the micro moments of the game, the nooks and crannies, if you will, because that's what fanatics do. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me on Twitter at Clinton Bonner. And I'm joined by the great Brandon Schultz and find him at Seahawkers Pod on Twitter. All right, Flock, let's dive into the sober yin and raging yang that is three in, three out. Go Hawks. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to another edition of Three In, Three Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast out there. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me on Twitter at Clinton Bond. I am with the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Brandon at Seahawkers Pod. Brandon, thirty. What's if I say the numbers to you? I whisper them like this: thirty-five, thirty. What's that do for you, Brandon? How you feeling today on a, on a victory Monday? Oh, uh, feels good, Clinton. Coming off a win, a last-second victory, maybe an improbable victory if you want to put it that way, because I know there were a lot of us, especially after what we watched from Cam Newton and his ability to run the football when he was down at the one yard line, you're going, okay, I, I'm, I'm rooting for my team here, but I kind of am also at the same time preparing myself just in case this doesn't work out. And that is where my mind was at. And so it made me extra happy when they got that stop and it was LJ Collier and it was Lano Hill, Bobby Wagner coming in there to break it up to driving right through an open hole and into the backfield Uh, A beautiful final moment of the game to close that out. And man, I just wish that would have been one of the games that I would have been at just cheering on my team because that was a huge moment. Yeah, I'm with you. I do wish that the, the, the 12s could have been there to celebrate that amazing victory. And and I'll also say, you know, when when it was down to that final play, I was probably, you know, in my brain, I was probably like 20% confident that we stopped, we stopped the play. All, all honestly, all things on the table here. I was like, we've got about a one in five chance of not seeing Cam just dance into the, into the end zone. So when that play broke and then the beautiful part, like you said, the unsung heroes, right? The LJ Colliers, the Lano Hills, and of course, Bobby, uh, you know, but but blowing that play up and, and the fashion in which they did it with, you know, Cam going head over heels already and tears for fears and Jamal Adams with the, the helmet off in the celebration. It was quite wonderful. It was, it was really quite good. So we're on three in, three out, you know, this is for the folks who have never been on this. We're not going to talk about five touchdown passes from Russell Carrington Wilson. We're not going to talk about DK burning, you know, burning Gilmore because, you know, th- those are the things that that others will talk about all week long and deservingly so. I love those things too, Brandon. I know you love those things too. However, this is about that that layer deeper when you want to look back at the game and, and rewatch the game with a little bit more focus and look at those micro moments of what happened on the good side of the ledger and the bad side of the ledger that really, really made the game go. So with that, with that, Brandon, you know, there's, we, there's lots of rules that's, you know, signs, signs everywhere. There's signs. We don't like too many of them on three and three out. However, however, Brandon, we have one rule on three in, three out. Brandon, what is that one? Rule. There is just one rule, and we're making a streak out of it. We're going streaking, Clinton. (laughs) When we win, we start with an N, and this is the second week in the row. We're starting with an N. We are starting with an N for for a second week in a row. It's the only rule that you need to know, so why don't we get to that first N right now? There were sexy deep balls all day long. There were tosses to Lockett, tosses to Metcalf all day long. Things of beauty. Brandon, do you know what pass I think 
was the best pass of the game, the best pass and catch of the game. What what I want to put a first in out there and t- I want to dangle it out there. First ins going to a pass and a catch. A pass what, and a you, catch. A pass and a catch. King and the duck. Which one do you think? Well, there were a lot of touchdown passes in this game. There were five, as you mentioned, uh, leading in the intro. Are you going to narrow it down for me? It was it at least one of the touchdown passes. It was not a touchdown pass. This is three in, three out. So we got to go a little bit deeper. Not a touchdown pass. Not a touchdown pass. I am going to say, gosh, you got me stumped, man. <laughs> that's, that's okay. This one, this one might be tough to pull out. But again, this is, this is why three in, three out is what it is. It's 14 to 14, late in quarter two, right around the 50-yard line, a third and one. David Moore goes out and does a little out. Russ kind of misses him. Russ throws the ball at his feet. David Moore just kind of angles down, scoops it up, turns, gets the first down, extends the drive. Brandon, I realize, you know, I know what happens after this. What happens after this is for the second week, talk about streaks. You talk about streaks for the second week in a row, we sputter, we stutter. We get no points on a, on a end of half drive that we should have. However, David Moore had a huge day. Amazing punt return. That touchdown is ridiculous. That's just, you know, fancy footloose, footloose over there, man. What, what amazing feat. But that third and one play to just get his hands on that turn of field and get that first down, to me, that was emblematic of what this is all about. The big eye, the first eye. David Moore takes it. Hey, maybe the other plays help him out, but that third and one conversion, gigantic. I was so wrong about Moore in the preseason. I'm taking it back. David Moore gets the first eye. David Moore, three catches on the day. He also had a nifty punt return for 20 yards uh, that was worthy of mentioning as well. So he's really coming into what we needed from a third wide receiver. And with Philip Dorsett out and with Josh Gordon still not active, I think that if this is the the three that we have with with Lockett and Metcalf doing their thing and then mixing in a little D more, this is going to work out well for the Seahawks. I think so, too. And let, let's not forget, you know, uh, the night train, Freddie Swain, of course, who did his best, <laughs> Tyler Lockett. And that was that was a fantastic job by him. And congrats to the Rook. And while you were saying that, while, while you were giving the David Moore stats and the punt return, which was, you know, beautiful, a little wiggle, a little jiggle, 15 yards. Those are huge yards. Something popped in my brain. I want to run this by you live. What do you think about the idea of an MVC, the most valuable cranny? What do you think? <laughs> the most valuable cranny? The most valuable cranny. You got the nooks, you got the crannies. I, I want to just give David Moore the first ever three in, three out MVC for week two. All right. The inaugural MVC award. I, I'm, I'm into this, Clinton. We may need we may need a website. We, may, we definitely need a trophy. And we probably need a website. <laughs> I can't wait until we get to send these awards and and the view of David Moore like sitting at his locker for a post game interview one time and you just look up there in the corner of his locker and there's his MVC award for week two in the NFL because you know he's putting that thing up in his locker. And I like the idea of making it just NFL wide, but it only goes to Seahawks. You know, everybody else could just you right. know, bugger off. That's a kick rocks everybody else. <laughs> but it is a it is league wide. Let's be let's be. It's like Kyle Brandt's angry runs. For the Seahawks, the NBC. I like it. We just got to find a way to get it to him. But, I, but I, you, you have contacts. We're good. We'll work it out. All right, Brandon, this is three and three out. There is the sober yin, the raging yang. We, we know about this already. We hit the good side. We've got to hit the bad side. 
I keep a ledger. I'm holding it up right here for you. And I know people can't see that because it's a radio program on a podcast, but it is a real ledger. It's a Seahawks notebook. By the way, I'm almost out of sheets. I got to order a new one. And with that, this game, I actually had more stuff on the outside, even though we had plenty to cheer about on the inside. And Brandon, there was a, quite an issue. And obviously for you, what was the, the biggest issue, the most glaring issue for the entire game before we dive into the individual out? Most glaring issue, I would have to say, is just once again, this team with two possessions in the fourth quarter and their inability to stay on the field going three and out twice in the fourth quarter. I want to see this team close some teams out in in those late moments. And even as many yards as Chris Carson put up on the ground, as strong as Carlos Hyde was running there, they didn't have that ability in the closing moments to do that. You know, and I, I had a different, most kind of egregious. However, I'm going to spin to this one and get back to that later because I like where you're taking this. I had another one start where 28-23, fourth quarter, and it's it's that series. And I know everybody's talking about that series, but it's it's really about what you're talking about there, Brandon. It's like, come on, man. We got Russ. Put this game away. This was the first and 20, run the ball. Second 18, you know, pretty terrible. They try a screen. I get it. I'd much rather see a screen on first down, you know, except for on, except for second and 18, where it's like very obvious you might run the screen. And then, they, and then they just kind of revert. They go backwards to, you know, last year or two years ago, and they run the dreaded third and 18 draw. I think it was with Homer on the field. And I literally have WTF exclamation point, exclamation point. And then like a squiggly line, because I didn't even, didn't even finish the third one. For that, for that series. So I'll, I'll throw the first out just to that series, but it really is emblematic of what you just said. Chance to put the game fully, fully away, fourth quarter, and we're tiptoeing through the tulips. Yeah, and that was because of Damian Lewis on first down had a holding call. Yeah, he tackled the guy. <laughs> right, and that, <laughs> he did. that kicked off that series of a two-yard run by Carson, a failed screen. You have the illegal man downfield. And then, yeah, Travis Homer, third and long. And it was the first, it was the first three and out of the entire day. And it came with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So part of me is happy that that was their first three and out of the day. It wasn't until the fourth quarter. But holy smokes, guys, that's the worst time to come up with a, a, a holding penalty that puts you back. And then here you are giving the ball back to the Patriots. Fortunately, it was the Patriots next drive where uh, Jamal Adams made a big stop and the Seahawks got the ball back. Then they were able to get up once again by a second score. So that necessarily didn't work out for him, but that series definitely worthy of an out. Brandon, you you mentioned Damian Lewis there and you know, the the rook is he's, you know, he's having, he's getting beat a little bit here and there. However, however, I want to bounce right back on over to the inside because again, we talk about this balance, this blend, Another big in for me here, Brandon, this one was the fact that especially in the first half, and then I'd say, you know, periodically in the second half, but I just wanted to give a a kind of a crowning in across the board. Remember, like, maybe it was 2015, 2016, 2017, when you and Adam would talk a heck of a lot about a pocket thingy. Mm -hmm. Remember, like, the pocket thingy would be really, really something that would like come out like the uh, you know the great pumpkin only once in a while the thing would come out. I, I got to say, man, pass pro through the first two weeks of the year so far, 
yeah, there's some breakdowns. Yeah, you know, uh, Shell gets beaten every now and again, and that that's a okay. But I think overall, I do want to put it in on the pass pro. There are plenty of moments where Russ can go through all his progressions or simply step up, gun the ball, or have at least a little room to do what Russ does, you know, just scoot out and pick up, pick up some yards on his feet or throw on the run. But I want to give the overarching in here. I thought the pass pro is pretty darn good, man. And if I had to center it on somebody, I mean, Posick, this is two weeks in a row where I, you know, you just be like, oh, who's the Seahawks center? Like, uh, I don't know. You know, and, and I, I kind of feel like for a center in the league, that's that's especially the Seahawks, man. The last couple of years, I feel pretty good about pass pro. And I'm not even sure it was like exactly how it was supposed to happen. But yet here we are two weeks in. And I'm like, Brandon, I think we have like our best pass protection we've had in maybe, I don't know, four, five years. What do you think? Yeah. And it's not great, but I think it's average and average for a Seahawks offensive line for pass protection. It means you get those five to 10 plays every game where Russell Wilson does have that time to go through and really dial up a big pass downfield. And we've seen it when he has time to throw the deep ball. It works out really well for the Seahawks. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not good for the other teams, typically. No, no, typically uh, you know, not. But, but you now you have you have DK Metcalf doing some kung fu fighting in the end zone like he was after burning Gilmore. And I'll also say last week, Yupati kind of had a bit of a rough game week one. He was okay, but he had a couple of, you know, a couple of penalties and he was okay. We saw some leakage on the left-hand side in game one. Really, this game, it was really just the right-hand side. You know, the right-hand side had a couple of a couple of jailbreaks. You had that, you had the penalty to Lewis we mentioned earlier. Do you remember a, a instance where there was some dude just coming in free off the left-hand side at all this game? There, there was a one play where Winovich really blew up Carlos Hyde off the oh edge and got right to Russ. <laughs> but there there was at least a dude to go through on his way to him. But uh, but that was still the right hand side, though. Hyde was to Hyde was Hyde was to Russ's right. Yeah. And the, my favorite part about that is Winovich because he's got a hair. And when he when he tossed that dude, I was like, oh, my gosh, like he is Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. <laughs> like he is literally just playing the bouncer role because I think they said something something akin to that. My gosh, did he did he make Hyde look uh you know kind of silly there? But you know overall, I, I ain't gonna. I'm not mad at Hyde. I'm not mad at Carson. I thought uh, offensively we executed quite quite well. Carlos Hyde, uh, by Pro Football Focus's uh, accounts, got a zero for his pass blocking grade, and I think it was just <laughs> because that one play. <laughs> Maybe I should be more mad at Hyde then. <laughs> A zero is hard. Uh, zero is pretty harsh. That's, uh, zero, you, I guess, yeah, you know, it, it was because that was his only snap that he was in to block on the pass. And really, you can't grade like, yeah, you can't. No, do you no, at least, you can't. do you at least give him like a, a 20 out of 100 just for being there? Because I mean, zero is like being worse than a traffic cone. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess, and uh, and I guess not is is what it boils down to. I guess the the answer is no, evidently not. That that's funny though. However, do you know who was actually worse than a zero? Little little fantasy football pop quiz. You know who was worse than a zero on Sunday? Oh, did you did you have a quarterback that threw a couple picks and and got you into the negatives this weekend? I, I'm an excellent drafter. I don't draft like an idiot. But but the answer <laughs> is Kirk Cousins was a minus two in most leagues. Ouch. My minus two. So. To hide with a zero, you know, a little bit better than Kirk Cousins. It could be worse. You could be Kirk Cousins. <laughs> you could go to negative, which is which is amazing. Well, we got one of the negatives out of the way. A couple more coming up after the break, Clinton. Uh, but, you know, lots more positives to talk about, too. Let's do it. Coming up next. 
Hi, Brandon. So earlier we were discussing, you know, you were going through the 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 untimely three and outs, which man, oh man, if you're going to have them, you really don't want them in the fourth quarter. However, like you said, if you have them, maybe you don't want them in the first quarter because because we got out hot. Besides the interception off of Olson's hands and the whole thing already, but what can you do about that? However, the side for me that was actually still, you know, just still the most egregious is just it's the it's the entire story of the offseason. It's the fact that we just we can't can't muster a pass rush mm. unless unless we send Adams. And then of course Adams comes in. By the way, Adams now has 50% of the sacks that our sack leader had last year. Right. He has two, which is great considering there's been two games and he's a safety. You know, all, all good things there. However, man, one particular play, Brandon, that really it's 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 just that we know we can't generate a pass rush. We know the only time we're getting it, getting there at all, is when we send a blitz. Okay, all right. It's 28-23. It's in the fourth quarter. It is now third and long. And basically, the Panthers are backed up on their goal line. On their goal line. And do you recall, I'll just give you the hint. Do you recall how many people we rushed? 28-23, third and long, right at the goal line. How many people did we decide to rush in that moment? It was a third and 10. And Cam had all day just standing in the end zone because there were only three guys. They rushed three guys on third and 10 with Cam Newton standing in his own end zone. Three dudes. Three dudes. Three. So, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not putting the, the out on any of those guys because I think it was like Puna. Like, I, you know, I saw they actually tried a little stunt and had a little bit of pressure. And then all Cam had to do was slide to the side because there was plenty of room. That is, that's a Ken Norton Jr. thing, man. I, I don't get it. I, I just, I can't forgive it. I can't forget it. It just makes zero sense. We have them where we could, we could just pin back and send at least a fifth dude, maybe even a sixth guy. And certainly Adams has to be one of those, one of those dudes. And we don't do it. We let them off the hook. We, we just give them basically as much room as they want. Cam has all day and he picks us apart. Just the biggest, that's probably the biggest O for me in the entire game. I don't get the philosophy. I think it's a, it's a, playing to not lose versus a playing to put a team away. And man, oh man, one of these days, not this week, but one of these weeks, that's going to bite us in the ass. It just just happened to not be this week. That is a huge, huge out for me. Overall on the day, it felt like Seattle struggled on third down and New England was able to convert more than 50%. They had double digits in terms of actual third downs that they ran in the game. And they were, I felt like they were lucky to get off the field on that next series of downs. Fortunately, they do get off the field and the Seahawks go up by two scores on the on the very next set of downs for them. But yeah, that area for me in this game and that particular third and 10 was a big out for me. And, you know, and it's and I know how it plays out later, like the third and one catch from Moore. Yes, I watched the game. I realized the Seahawks didn't get points that series. However, again, the moment, the play, huge, great catch, great, great conversion. Same thing here. It's you know, yes, I realize they end up punting, and I think that leads to the rainbow pass to Chris Carson, which actually was you know all being honest that that's actually my favorite throw of the entire game was the you know off the back back foot lob to Carson in the end zone. However, you know they, we we got to go to, we got to go to the to the smaller moments, but but it doesn't take away from the fact that in the moment it was just a a disastrous call and it was it was pensive. It was it was the opposite. It was the opposite of of what I want my team to do when you know blood's in the water, and you go and you go and trade for a dude like Adams who could bring that pressure, and we need that. And you know, frankly, listen, 
Edelman had a great day out there. You take Diggs off the field, and unfortunately, it looks like we're losing Blair. There goes your safety. There goes your backup safety, who's also playing, uh, you know, playing nickel. The entire middle of the field is exposed. Even if Adams is hanging out back there, it's exposed. Edelman had a day against him. Let the dude loose to go do what he's, he's best at, especially on a third and 10. What I hope for is we get the W anyway. We look at that, and if we get into a situation against Dak next week, we just don't let them off the hook. All right, Brandon, back on to the third in of this 35-30 victory over the New England Patriots to send the Seahawks to 2-0. Let's give the folks a quick reminder. Brandon, where could they find you on Twitter? You put out like a bajillion amazing podcasts a week, all Seahawks-focused. Tell the good people where they could listen and, and how they could subscribe and all the things they really should be doing. Yeah, follow along on Twitter at SeahawkersPod. Subscribe to this podcast, Field Goals, SBNation.com slash NFL Podcasts. And if you want some more Seahawks talk with me and Adam Emmert, uh, you can subscribe at seahawkerspodcast.com slash subscribe. Yeah, and that, that, that's the pod that ended up getting me into this, uh, this inner circle, this, this ring of honor for the 12s as, as it is. And for anybody that hasn't heard it yet, for me, it, it's, it's, it's the best. I, I, lo- I love these dudes. They're, they're amazing at what they do. Uh, every single week putting out just killer, killer Seahawks content. And they're funny. They're funny, which is great. And also, I'll give a quick plug, too. For folks who want to join conversations during the day, right? So you have your, your ring of honor. What is it, Brandon? Three bucks. And you get into the Discord. So you could have the, the in-game day, uh, day of game conversations. And then, of course, you have the Facebook ring of honor, which is just a, a congregation of some of the, the most fanatic Seahawks fans that are, are, are your pod listeners. Yes. Getintheflock.com if you want to join there. And yeah, the Discord group has been fun on game day. And then, yes, uh, 12 and above. Get you into our Facebook group where it's daily Seahawks talk every day of the week and, uh, you know, throwing around articles with just a, a bunch of Seahawks fans, a, a great group of people. Yeah. And the, I think the funnest part is or the coolest part is that it's like it's like global. <laughs> it's it's so cool. There are people literally from around the globe just chilling and, and talking Seahawks. So That's it's true. a good get. It's a good get. So speaking of good gets, listen, where the where the where the defensive line, especially when we're rushing three or four, couldn't get a lick of pressure. I do, you know, again, the, the opposite of that, the, the run defense, the run defense was, was really pretty good. And I realized Cam threw the ball a ton and I realized they were down. So they, they had to keep on, you know, trying to throw to come back. However, I want to put a bit of a spotlight and some love on Puna Ford, Brandon Puna, you know, it's under the radar. He's not making the last play of the game. Yes. Not, he's not the dude to, you know, to, to get the, really get the rushes on the quarterback per se. However, there must have been two, three, maybe four times where there would just be like, you know, him crashing across the line, Sony Michelle or Cam or, you know, or Burkhead going nowhere. And then when you see the pile kind of emerge, it's Puna. Like Puna's on top of that dude. Reed played okay. You know, he didn't think he stood out particularly all that much, but I felt Puna had by far the best game of the year. And for me, probably the best game I saw Puna play along the front line probably within the last, you know, four to six weeks uh, dating back to last year as well. So stopping the run is a big deal. I think we're going to figure out ways as the year goes on to get more pressure on the quarterback, get more creative. I'm not worried about the DBs. I know we're giving up lots of yards and I don't believe yards matter all that much, but man, you could stop the run and then, then you could cause some more havoc, make them one dimensional and then go figure out the next problem. So I liked what I saw from Puna. He's going to get that last in for me. What do you think? 
The two places that stood out for Puna to me was just consistently being the one guy on the defensive line that was taking all of the double teams. Yes. And that's that's going to be important for this team that to, to help open that up for the other guys to get to the quarterback. We haven't seen it yet. I know Pete Carroll was on 710 today saying, well, you know, we missed uh, three or four sacks. And if it would have been a five sack day, then all the Seahawks fans would have been really happy. Well, yeah, I, I would have been happy with a five sack day. The only problem was that it was a one sack day. And so, yeah, you got to convert those opportunities that you have. That's what makes a bad day uh, uh, and, and into a good day, Pete. Yeah, it, that it, it's it's. I heard that too, and I and I was just had a little bit of a come on, you know. I mean, like <laughs> it's it, it it's like oh, you know, it'd be great if I had a foot long hero, but uh, <laughs> but I but I have a bite, you know. It's like dude, those aren't the same. It'd be nice. I would love a foot long. That's great, Pete. Yeah. Yes, there were those kind of opportunities, and but you're you're playing a dude like Cam. Like you can't. You usually don't take Cam down with a dude. Right. Good defenses that are bringing a rush. It's when two people are converging at the same time where he can't escape and he tries to, and, and that's where the dude gets a sack. Adams is right there, but there's nobody, no reinforcement to take the next guy down. So I take what Pete said and I kind of just dismiss it. I don't buy it. And, and another reason being is we got to face a guy named Murray two times. Mm-hmm. You know, we got we got to face him twice. He's by far the second best quarterback in our division. Although I got to give Goff some, when Goff is not pressured, he's very he's quite good when he's not pressured. Which again, that's a problem. You know, we have a problem generating generating pass rush. So I'm, I'm with you. I didn't. I don't buy that from Pete. And I also don't like the fact that he, it's almost like complacent. You know, like well, it would have been a five sack day. It's like, dude, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, we're, so we're I, morphing I, this I, this last into an out, Clinton. I don't oh, like gosh, this, but this I is, yeah. I want to go back and recognize Puna on the on the second thing that showed up for me. And yes, that please, was, sorry. uh, we, we talked about in the post game show, how if Cam Newton would have bounced it outside, then he would have had that potential to walk into the end zone on that final play. There was one guy though, that was in position to make the play. If Cam would have run to the outside, it was Puna Ford shrugging off a blocker that would have had a clear, uh, straight line to be able to, to run down Cam. Now, I don't know if Puna Ford runs down Cam Newton and. <laughs> in a sprint to the pylon, but uh, he was, he was in position to do it if he would have needed to. Yeah. And, and I think the interesting part there too, is you don't know how that also factors into what Cam is seeing when he's making a, you know, a micro moment decision to be like, okay, my best bet is to maybe just, just try to stay inside here. And just going back to, you know, the, the in on top of the in, we didn't talk about that last play too, too much, but I mean, what a beautiful execution. I mean, beautiful, right? I mean, Leno just just chops down the cherry tree with 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 that uh, with the the, lo- the long-haired fullback who had that that sneaky good touchdown earlier in the game and then of course Collier but yeah but it but right outside just you know it was it was very it was not only just like a disciplined play you want to see discipline but the dudes they beat they all beat their guy they all like each each one of those three guys and then Wagner had a place to go through they all beat their dude. So for the build, you know, the build Belichick, do your job on the last play of the game. The Seahawks did their job. The Patriots did not. And that is a difference in a 35-30-2-0 start to our Seahawks season. All right, Brandon, we'll hit the last out in this in this Seahawks victory. Listen, uh, you know, hey, Brandon, how do you spell uh, Greg Olson? What's the, how do you, what's the first letter in Greg Olson's last name? I was like, what's that letter? Oh, it's an O. It's an O because he's wearing the out. He's wearing it out. And no, it's not because of the, the ball going through his fingers. That's a bad enough play. We spot them seven points at home. 
you know, yuck, puke, blah, what a disgrace that is. By the way, this game's not all that close if, if plays like that don't happen and we, and we and we get the victory anyway. But Brandon, second week in a row, we talked, we touched on it earlier, but I want to focus even, you know, even a, another layer, another layer, you know, deeper, if you will. Second week in a row, we have the ball, two minutes to go in the half. We're basically at midfield. The two-minute warning hits. And Brandon, what happens the very next play out of the two-minute warning? What happened? Coming out of the two-minute warning, you line up, and it's a false start by Greg Olson. And it just, again, sets off this series of unfortunate Seahawks events that I, I feel like it's, you know, when we talk about going streaking, when we, when we started the show, it yeah. was in, in the good way. And now we're going streaking in the opposite direction because this is where it set off another series where they couldn't put points up on the board before the end of the half. Yeah, and this one was actually even a bit more dangerous because we were kicking the ball off this this time around. Now, again, it all worked out, and you know we could we could all see later on how it all how it all spelled out. And, and with that, still, man, last week it was Upati, two minute warning, we come out, ball start. This week it's Olson, false start. And then uh, there was a, what was the next couple of plays? You were rattling them off before the, the next play was the I know there was the Russ uh, over the line play pretty soon, but yeah, that was that was two plays later. It was. It was Russell's just his second incomplete pass thrown to DK Metcalf. And just so his second incompletion on the day, I think the first one was actually the the throw to Greg Olson that was that set off the the pick six. Yeah. But it was right after that that he was that he had that illegal forward pass. And then they were bailed out, thrown down to Tyler Lockett. They get a defensive holding. But then it just the entire rhythm of that, they get the first and ten then. And then it's a holding penalty on DK Metcalf. And so I think the reason why I wanted to give it to Olsen on this was just because it it felt like it set off the entire series. And yes, the Metcalf one backed him up once again. And then Russell was sacked. And then you're running on second and 26 with Travis Homer again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're just, and then we're down this bad rabbit hole, right? So, and, and so Olsen's going to wear the O that we've got to, We've we are we're going up against Dallas next. Now Dallas just had one of the luckiest victories in in all. I think everybody saw the stat right. The four hundred and forty two zero when a team scores thirty nine points, it doesn't have a turnover. Right, like so, amazing. So they just had one one of the luckiest wins of all time. Dallas can still play. Dallas can still put points up. If we what I want to see next week, Brandon, is if we get a chance with you know a minute and a half, two minutes to go in in the first half, we have the ball. Come on, come on. Let's let's get three. Let's at least go get three. I'm not even saying we got to get a touchdown every drive. I know that's not going to happen every single time, but we can't come out of a two minute warning with nobody in the stands and have false starts. It's got to go. That's the out. Okay, Brandon, we are now on to our, you know, it's our favorite segment. This is how it all started, why it existed, and the whole thing already. This is from the flock. Very, very simple. This is more of a guideline. We only have the one rule we know about. But during the game, whether you're in the Discord, whether you're in the Seahawkers Pod Ring of Honor, or you know, you're, you're just out on Twitter and you wanna you wanna talk to us about what you thought the nooks and crannies were from your point of view, you just gotta hashtag it 3i3o. If you're in the Discord, there's an entire channel just for three and three out, which I think is friggin' awesome. 
and you could tell us your thoughts and then we're going to share them with the world. One thing I will caveat is if we don't get to everybody, well, I'm sorry. You know, there's tons of people chiming in and that's like, it's like too much pitching in baseball, a good thing to have. However, we love, we love the energy. We love the, uh, we love the nooks and the crannies coming from, from you, the flock. So Brandon, why don't you lead us out with a, with a big fat juicy in or out your choice, dealer's choice. You hit it. Oh, if it's dealer choice, I'm picking an in and I'm going with Daniel Weinholz. <laughs> And this really, I think he hits on the theme of this game against the Patriots. It was contributions from Seahawks role players in this game. You had Freddie Swain getting a touchdown catch. You, you had a tip from LJ Collier. You had, mm-hmm. you know, even that final play where it was dudes like Collier and Lano Hill making big plays when it mattered most. And so I think there's a lot of those where you could point to throughout the game. Amadi with a nice pass defense in this game. It just... It felt like there were enough of those moments from key players that that have their role. Nobody had a huge standout game in terms defensively. Even Jamal Adams, I thought, with his four pressures, you know, it was it was almost like, oh, well, this is what we should just expect from Jamal yeah. Adams on a on a weekly game. The in goes to the role players. So thanks to Daniel Weinholz for for pulling that in. Love that. That's the, the unsung heroes calling those out. And that's that's what three and three out's all about. So good job there. I'm going to stick with the ends because, heck, it's our show. We'll do it. So we got Garen Taylor also in the Seahawkers pod, Ring of Honor. This He, he put a pu- couple out there, a couple of ins, a couple of outs. What I like is this one because we didn't talk about it. In, Schottenheimer calling a play with Lockett in the backfield and then throwing it to the open man, Freddie Swain. And, you know, when I was cheering because it was a touchdown, then I'm cheering because I have Lockett on two of my fantasy football teams. And then I'm a little bit disappointed that's Freddie Swain. But then I'm fired up because it's Freddie Swain. He's a rookie. And I'm fired up again because I'm a Seahawks fan. And that's more important than fantasy. That's a cool end. Freddie Swain doubled the amount of catches of John Ursua last season. <laughs> and he's done it in two weeks, Clinton. So you got Jamal Adams at 50% of Rasheem Green's stellar four sacks just in two weeks. And we got Swain now doubling up John Ursua, the Loch Ness monster himself, John Ursua, in just two weeks. Yes, these are the stats that we keep track of on three and three out. Exactly. You're not going to get this anywhere else. Thank God. You know, Clinton, this episode's about going streaking. And so I think we have to go for our third in in a row. And I'm going to at Mickey Swank on Twitter. Schmick. He says, stepping aside the obvious out already in coming back from that pick six with a beautifully orchestrated drive to even the score. And yeah, yeah it's a yes, good point yes. because just that response from the team and Russell Wilson to put up, it was, it was an extended drive. It was not just one of those, you know, three play drives where you get down the field. No, it was, it was multiple plays, 13 plays, 75 yards. They only had one penalty. It was uh, that illegal blindside block on Tyler which, Lockett that they were coming from. Yeah, and, and also let's be very, very clear: it was not a freaking. I just come on. Yeah, come that on, was not Golden Tate blowing up no. Sean Lee from Dallas all those years ago, where and putting him on his backside. No, that was Tyler getting in the way and the guy not knowing Tyler was there. And yeah, that's that's not one of those plays that you're trying to prevent. That's just that's uh, called, called, called a block. That's tack. It was it was just a beautiful orchestration, right? It was it was beautiful flow, a- amazing execution. Every, almost every single play, positive, positive, all the way down, and then just execution in the red zone. Just you know, Schmick, Mickey Swank, beautiful job. They right only there. had one third down on that entire drive, Clinton, and it was when they were on the nine yard line. And Chris Carson, you know, they they run it with Carson. 
They get four or five yards, and they put it on the New England four after that. I thought on that drive, too, that pass to Tyler Lockett in the back of the end zone where Russell Wilson's running to his right, and Tyler Lockett's running to his mm-hmm. left yes, and yes. just dials it in between a couple of defenders. That was a beautiful pass to, to what ended up being a series of beautiful touchdown passes. Yeah, we, we like the We like the strings. We like the series. And and just real quick, I was doing some back of the, the napkin sketching because I was thinking about, you know, talk about Lockett. And it, it was a little bit too, too obvious. Mm. However, if we're going to extrapolate, if we want to take the ball out and say, hey, you know, if we extrapolate his numbers so far this year, oh, he's on pace for oh, 120 receptions, 1,280 yards and eight touchdowns. So Tyler Lockett, who doesn't really get the shine because DK gets it and, and deservingly so, is just doing his thing, just out there. I mean, what, what is he now? 15 of 16, so targeted 16 times, 15 receptions in two weeks. Yes, please. If Zeke has the feed me tattoo, then, you know, we, I don't know what to say here, Brandon. Maybe. <laughs> It's, there's no joke. I don't know. There's no joke. Just feed Tyler Lockett the ball too. That's all. There's zero joke. There. He doesn't need a tattoo. Feed him right. the ball. Yeah. Right. He just doesn't need a tattoo. Keyshawn already wrote the book years ago. Just give Tyler the damn ball. That's all. So I, I want to keep this the streak alive because if you're going to do it, you know, once, not twice, but thrice, then you might as well go for the four bagger. So let's hit up real quick. Hong Kong Hawk. He comes in with, this is Bloomy, of course, going with the Seahawks coverage was suspect. It kind of starts with a little bit of an out there, a little shade. But their open field tackling has been outstanding. And you know what? When they do get a chance to tackle, man, oh, man, he's right. They are op- They didn't miss too many tackles. We were talking earlier that, that Ugo maybe missed one or two. But overall, I feel like, yeah, okay, maybe they're giving up uh, giving up some plays. Certainly are giving up pass yards. But they're sticking dudes. They're, their tackling's pretty damn good. So that, that one's coming in from Hong Kong Hawk. And out here from, again, at Mickey Swank on Twitter. Boo, boo, breaking the streak. <laughs> Should we, should we have just streaked the entire segment of ins? No, no, no. Yeah, we get, it has to stop somewhere. It like, has you know, to stop like, somewhere. Like See, this is how I know that this is how even, I know that you're baseball guy, Clinton. You bring up the fact that two games is a representative enough sample to extrapolate Tyler Lockett's entire season as if Jamal Adams is going to finish the season with 16 sacks, as if Russell Wilson's going to finish the season with 65 touchdown passes. I, I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen. I think. <laughs> And yet, and, know, and, and yet. yet it could, it could, there's, there's still a chance. <laughs> all right. So we will break the streak though. Let's we, we all, all things come to an end. What's, what's up, what's our out here. I'm, I'm blaming Mickey Swank on breaking the streak because he submitted enough outs. I had to pick one of them out yeah. the Seahawks screen defense. Every screen the Patriots run has gone for almost 10 yards each. The thing that frustrated me about this is that you could tell that it was going to be a screen because you saw a defender running straight at Cam Newton with nobody in front of him. Every time they seemingly got pressure, it was only on those plays where either it was a delayed blitz with Jamal Adams or they were running a screen and pick it up 10 yards. Yeah, it was the opposite of, of week one where we executed screens well and we stopped them well. And it was that, that just didn't happen this time. We did we did not execute them on offense and we we got gashed on defense. So it's a worthy out. It's a worthy out. Speaking of worthy outs to Golden Hawk, which I believe is is you. That's if, me. If, um, if that's you, right? And you're right. KJ taking out Blair with friendly fire. Like it's 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 not anybody's fault. It sucks. We hate it. But got to got to recognize that as like that was a big deflating out too, man. It's like KJ, the play was over. Like he made the he made the tackle. Blair made a great tackle. It's already down on the ground. Oh, yeah. it and was goes, so painful oh. to go back and watch that replay. I I wanted to yeah. know what happened. 
And I just, I had to look and see, and man, what a bummer. And I bet there's nobody on that team that feels worse than KJ after, after, if, if he went back to watch that. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Just let, let's, let's wish Blair the best of luck. And then to, to change our luck, let's, when we swing it back to an end, what do you got? All right, Clinton, I'm going to go with John Ryan's face and <laughs> love it. And Washington seven Ivy in the discord. They both touched on Travis Homer in this week. And I, I think it's kind of a redemption game because did you not give Homer an out last week for his being on kickoff returns? And we, we actually saw a nice kickoff return from Homer. And then we, we saw some decent runs from him as well. He, he looked the part out there on the field this week. He was more decisive. He was more explosive and he was deserving. He was deserving of that out last week. And I was correct. And so were they. That's, that's the beauty of this is man. He, he just, he was more decisive. He just took off, made that one cut and, he had a couple of great runbacks, at least that one really good one, which honestly, right now with most, you know, half the balls go into the end zone, if not more, that's what I won, won a game, won a game where you could bust it out to like the 30, 40, 50, and I'm happy. So yeah, man, I'm with you on that one. Speaking of with us, we talked earlier about Carlos Hyde getting tossed out like a, like, you know, an underage kid at a bar. We should have said Rebecca Christensen out in the, uh, the, the pod, the Seahawks pod ring of honor. She called that out. She's like, that's an honorable mention for sure, because he got tossed out on his back. So just want to give a quick shout out to Rebecca. Good job flagging that one. Speaking of good jobs, we got Kenneth Reyes. He comes in. He says, you know what? Just for the fact of getting it done at home in prime time and without the 12s in the stands, he wants to recognize that effort by the Hawks. And I like it. Why not, Kenneth? And out here from Michael Paul. This one's a fun one. Uh, and it has to do with hairstyles. He goes out, <laughs> mullets, out, whatever Cam thought was his hairstyle. You looked at the the Patriots sideline and you have, I don't know what they're trying to do with these hairstyles. You have Belichick's kid rocking the mullet, uh, which somebody says, Oh, somebody's bringing back mullets. No mullets were never cool. You <laughs> never, can't never, bring never. back something that never was a thing. And then cam, I don't know if there's actually, you can't bring that back because also it was ne- whatever he is doing with his hair. That's not been done before. No, well, you know, and that's, 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 yeah, that's something at least, right? You're doing something that hasn't been done before. Not saying it's good, not saying other people should follow you like the mullet. However, Michael Paul, you know, that's, that's a great job. Uh, that, that's really picking out, picking out the idiosyncrasies. And, and we love it, Michael. We love you for it. It's, not what's on the field. It's the what's on the sidelines and who's rocking what kind of hairdo. That is, <laughs> that is what we like to see. Yeah, I mean, the Emmys were last night, too. So maybe Michael Paul was like watching that on one screen and then wanted to give some some fashion statements. I, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Speaking of getting it, we got Keith Kenover, Flocktimus Prime, of course. He goes second out week for Griffin. So he was just not feeling Griffin. I didn't see Griffin as all that busy. So I wasn't it didn't come up to me that Griffin had a had a poor game or a good game. What'd you see out there, Brendan? I just noticed him on one play where it was a pretty short completion. And I don't think he got a terribly tough draw with going up against Nikhil Harry primarily on the day. Harry had four targets, three receptions, only 43 yards. Shaq didn't grade out entirely that well. He gave up four first downs. I, I think it's fair to say that Griffin didn't have a particularly good game. So yeah, I, I, I'll take that for an out on Griffin. And, and, you know, typically I, I also have to just not, not so much defer. It's more like just trust. 
Floctimus is a is a he's, he's a he's a pretty sharp dude. You know, he's he's got his eyes out there. So you know, Floctimus don't lie. So if he, if he saw that, he's got to trust him and maybe go back and watch. Maybe we got to do better and go back and watch a little tape. So so Keith, good job there. I mean, zero pass breakups on the day from I think any uh, of the Seahawks defensive backs. And so really, I I think you could point at a dude in the secondary and say out. All right, so a couple more here. We had Nathan Santo. And for the folks who might not know Nathan Santo, he is a fellow podcaster with the, the Seahawks Nest Pod, which I really like. It's a, I think those dudes do, do a great job each and every week. A great, another great podcast to go listen to. And he's in the Discord as well. And he puts up, I, I realize this is a podcast. I realize I'm about to describe something that's visual. Deal with it. It's a picture of uh, DK Metcalf chewing on his chain in his arms. He's got a little itty bitty cute Stefan Gilmore looking all fresh face. So Stefan Gilmore, the baby, DK just holding him like, yeah, that's 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 my that's my child. That's that's it's my child right there. So I thought that one from Nathan was a, a great job to bring. Bring the funny. Good job, Nathan. Yeah, I don't know who gets credit for creating that graphic. I don't know if that was one that uh, Nathan drew up himself, but uh, whoever did that, very well done. Uh, also, uh, I got to close this out with an in to our folks over at the Falcoholic. Uh, you know, our bird brothers over there, they had a rough go of it. We talked about it earlier, the, the stat of when you're uh, when you score 39 points and don't turn the ball over every team has won that has accomplished that up until this last weekend. And that led them to tweet. I would like to die <laughs> straight up. That was it. Not even, not even a punctuation mark. There's no, no. there's nothing there. It's just no emoji, just, no punctuation, no, just no, in that time. moment. I, and I, I was in disbelief too, because that they had that game in the bag and for nobody to even attempt to jump on that onside kick. You know, it's one thing when you have an onside kick and it's bouncing all over the place. Yeah, just spinning, like last just spinning yeah, on the it. ground. Yeah, and you could have you could have boxed out how to do jump on that football. Uh, no, they just decided to watch it. As a, and they it. weren't even the first, the Falcons weren't even the first team to touch it if they were nope. waiting for it to cross 10 yards. So, no, no. It unbelievable. Was, it, was, unbelievable. it was amazing. They, it was just a little dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made you out of clay. They just watched, they just watched it go, go, go. Was, but I'm, but I'm also a little bit happy that that happened because I think I would rather have the Cowboys coming into CenturyLink at one and one rather than down zero and two. If they have that ability to come back late in the game, especially after turning the ball over, I think four times, at least three turnovers, and then a fourth down that they that they failed to convert uh, with the Falcons, they got off to a terrible start and they still came back. I I like the fact that uh, they're coming in one and one rather than zero and two. I like the fact that you're bringing it back to where it belongs, which is with our Seahawks. And and I, you know what? I, I I'm with you. I'm with you. If they're zero and two, they are as desperate as it gets. And then and then they start pulling out some plays on like fourth and thirteen, taking chances they shouldn't have, and you know maybe upsetting the apple cart. So let them let them take this victory. Let them have a, a couple of laughs or a couple of days, and then let them take the ride out to the Pacific Northwest. And then why don't we go put up a you know what do we put up? We just put up thirty five. Why don't we go for maybe a 40 burger? What do you what do you think? Maybe a 40 burger this week versus the Cowboys? I, I like the taste of 40 burgers. Yeah, me too. I want a 40 burger. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>